Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 201, episode 3 of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it's Thursday, September 9th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Come a vaccine. Oh, it's just not the same. It is ruined. My cum's not worth anything. Uh, that is courtesy of Christy. I'm Gucci Man. We are sticking with the uh, vaccinated cum theme, and I love it. I love mm-hmm. it, man. Keep them coming. I am thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Ely into pieces. Racists on life support, ivermectin, not working, won't wear a mask, don't care if your eyes stop breathing. Okay, no Robert E. Lee's fucking metal ass got just ripped to shreds in Virginia. Good, goodbye Goodbye. to that racist monument. And Mm. shout out to uh, Diogenes the uh, the Critic at Warden Type 1 on Twitter for that just wonderful papa. Roach inspired AK. I prefer the acoustic Twitter, but ah. you know, we are thrilled, I, oh, yeah. I dare say, to be joined in our third seat by a very talented writer, humorist, and podcast host whose work you've seen uh, in the Los Angeles Times, The Guardian, The New Yorker, New York Magazine, if you're very well read. He was the co host of the Ringers Wrestling Podcast, The Masked Man Show, uh, and went on to work with WWE's writing staff, which makes him. I think our most refined expert on the world of pro wrestling Possibly. of our illustrious roster of regular guests. He currently co-hosts the podcast Galaxy Brains, along with Jonah Ray. Please welcome the hilarious, the fashionable, the brilliant Dave Schilling. Hey, hey. thanks, What's guys. That up, was a really man? cool intro. I always comment on the intro when I come on this show, and this is one of the best. Well, Thank you, fellas. Hey, I feel like it was very complimentary, and hey, it's man, always good you. to be back. Yeah. We're just, that's just, it's just a mirror, baby. We didn't I do did, anything. I did dress up uh, more last week, or last time I was on here. Last yeah. week. <laughs> last time I was on the show. Today, I'm just wearing my Arsenal shirt. Hey, uh, my pull it off. Shirt. Two of us. Two gooners. You know somebody's fashionable. Feeling real low. Two fucking fools who ruined their life <laughs> picking the shittiest <laughs> team possible. Oof. LOL. I love it. I love. Are you guys? Yeah. Is this a new coach this season? I feel like I've asked. No, we've before. had the same coach for about same 18 months. clown. Eighteen months, no good. It seems well, like ever since you guys switched coaches, that was kind of a hopeful. No, ever since and... we and the the problem was we had a coach who was like watching over the team for like twenty years. Legend. So we had such consistency, and right. whenever you switch it out, it's gonna be chaos because it's and also the Cronkies. I, that's I what look I was at gonna like say. This. That's the problem. The Cronkies are bad. The Cronkies. I look at this. I was telling somebody, "So like, can you believe it? You guys spent. Someone's giving me shit. You spent all this money over the summer." And I said, "Look, we're spending players that are gonna fucking." Pop, potentially give us good money all a good value if we transfer them and have a nice solid young core to like maneuver with no matter who the manager is but more than that of the issue that i see it's like bar rescue it's not that the players you know or the bar t- you know the bar rescue it's not the staff's fault or the manager's fault you usually look at the owner what's the mm. owner fucking doing because mm. that's usually where the rot is coming from and when the cronkies it's all fucking coming from there. They just don't give a fuck. And yeah, we need to get John not, Taffer in there as a manager. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Give and me give Taffer. Them like, you know what'll make them work if you stop paying them wages? Because they're dogs. <laughs> like, did you see him on Laura Ingram's show, Dave? No, I didn't know he was one of those. He oh, said, yeah. yeah, with with unemployment benefits, he said a hungry dog is obedient. Mm, talking about Lord. workers. I was like, Ooh, okay. boy. Okay. Yeah. There Fundamental differences in how we see uh, human existence, I guess. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. You're yeah. a dog. Yep. Yep. I value uh, all people, uh, except for oh. John Taffer, I guess. He's yeah. a prick. <laughs> but yeah, man, a, ba- a bad owner is, is worse than mm-hmm. a bad anything. Because that, that shit just doesn't go away. Because think of like That's... how long Raiders fans were hated Al Davis. Right. Knicks you know fans I mean? have been struggling for decades now. Lakers um, yeah. fans have the best owner in sports. Right. And that's why yeah. we're consistently good. Yeah. And the years where we were bad, we had her stupid brother in charge. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, mm. Washington football team. Yep. Yep. Okay. The list yeah. goes on and on. 
Yeah, I'm sure like, yeah, the people that's like people of the world unite to overthrow the owners of their favorite teams. Yeah, yeah. Live in a better world. Yeah, we should own all of our, our favorite sports teams. They should be owned by the, by city the fan base or the yeah. fan base. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Go Isn't that kind of what the, the Packers are? Yeah. Yeah. And they've been consistently good for a long time. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Who would have guessed huh. if you just, you know, empower the people who care the most, things right. will happen that are good. Because I guess it's either that model or the Galacticos, like Yankees model, which is like, I'll, right. f- I'll make it rain on everybody and we'll just buy up the best talent. And that's how we'll make it work. But that's yeah. not realistic for most people, unless right. you're Cutter. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, Dave, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, uh, just a rundown of some of the things we're talking about today. We're going to talk about how the GOP is dealing with their January 6th commission. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Joe Rogan back at it again, baby. Uh, he's recovered from COVID and he's got some thoughts on what cured him. Mm-hmm. And it is not the FDA approved, proven treatment. And yeah, we'll leave it there. We'll talk about uh, what Donald Trump, the true president, is going to be doing on 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about Andre 3000, all of that, plenty more. But first, Dave, uh, what is something from your search history? Well, I'm glad you asked because it's something we've talked about already off mic, and that is the war on TikTok over skinny jeans. I googled TikTok skinny jeans because I was mm. researching an article, a column I'm writing for the LA Times about the backlash against skinny jeans from Generation Z or Gen Z or Zoomers or whatever you want to call them. I was uh, shocked to find how vociferous these people are about skinny jeans being bad. Because skinny jeans, for those who grew up in the 90s, 2000s, you know, the millennials, those were the most important garments you could purchase. Like yeah. We were all wearing skinny jeans and all of our favorite celebrities were wearing really tight clothes for a long time. And uh, yeah, now people are like, nah, man, you got to blow those pants out. You, I need space to grow. I need to be able to billow when I walk. <laughs> and uh, that's what that's why I wrote this piece is because I really wanted to express my joy as a millennial at uh, being freed from the tyranny of this bullshit of these incredibly snug pants that no one actually fits into. No. And I was telling you before, I was like, I could never even find a pair of skinny jeans that could fit me. Because I'm just, I have like, I just massive thighs. I I couldn't wear them unless I, I would probably have needed like a custom made pair of jeans (laughs) that could have conformed to my physiology to even have the look of a skinny jean. Yeah. And now, like, whenever I, like, if I have anything that's remotely like a skinny jean, I'm like, oh, it's just got got to have a lot of elastic in it. Exactly. Yeah. You got to just basically put a rubber band in that shit and let me go to town. <laughs> right. Now pants are a little a little looser, a little wider. Elastic yeah. waistbands are, are way more popular. And for me personally, I have more means than I ever have in my entire life. I mean, I, I better. I'm almost 40 years old, for fuck's sake. So I better be able to, like, buy stuff now. And uh, now I can go get stuff tailored. I can go take a pair of Tom Ford tuxedo pants that I bought from The Real Real and get those tailored to fit me properly. Ooh. That is not something that I could do when I was in college. And every single place you go to buy clothes, the pants are, are skin tight. Right. Have you gotten a pair of jeans tailored? Is that even a thing that's possible? Yeah. No, no. I, I mean, you can. I've wow. never done it before because I'm not a big remember, jeans guy. I remember yeah. I was so hyped on getting these like black Supreme jeans like 15 years ago. And the only ones I could get were like two sizes too big. Right. So I had to take them to a tailor to, to adjust them to fit me because I was like, I, I was like, fuck it. Maybe I took an L, but like buying a jean, like jeans I couldn't fit into. But, you know, for 40 bucks, they they did it. They did it right. Yeah. Always buy bigger, never smaller, because yeah. at least, you know, in your 20s, you can expect you're going to get bigger. I guess now you can, <laughs> no matter what you can expect, you're going to get bigger. You're going to yeah. fill out. You're going to exercise less. You're going to eat more. You're going to be constantly full of stress. You're not sleeping well. So if you buy a pair of Supreme jeans today and you're if you're in your 20s or, or early 30s, just hold on just to let them it if ride. Too big. Let yeah. it ride. Yeah. Those are going to be <laughs> cherry. Those are going to be classic yeah. when you're fat enough to fit into them. 
I have a pair I'm sitting on that I haven't tailored from fucking 10 years ago. Yeah. There you go, dude. That's that's basically found Mint. money. That's like finding yeah. a $20 bill in your pocket. Now, yeah, I just want to I just want to clarify like there's nothing wrong with you know being a bigger person. I'm certainly a bigger person than I have been in the past and, and I always encourage people to dress comfortably and to to feel comfortable and to feel good about themselves and their bodies. Don't try to conform to some bullshit stereotype. That's what I hate about skinny jeans is that they yeah. forced people into clothes that didn't fit them, that made them feel bad about themselves. Yeah. And, and it's got to go. The only thing I liked about skinny jeans is that it made it easier to like kind of show off the shoe that you're wearing. Oh um, yeah, sure. You I think you're gonna say show off the goods. The only thing I liked about skinny jeans was, like, was like, yeah, you could show off the pipage. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about, <laughs> what right? What are you laying over there? <laughs> the rooter, the rooters arrived. That's right, <laughs> Rodo rooter. <laughs> what is uh, what's something you think is overrated? I always have a hard time with this when I come on this show, but this is. The one week, the one episode I've been on where I like really prepared. And uh, the thing I, I find the most overrated right now is letter writing. There are all kinds of people who are like, oh, you know, it'd be cool is to write my my sister a letter or my, my mom <laughs> and dad letters. Like, I'm going to sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and I'm going to write a letter. Like, why? You're just going to cramp your hand. Your poor hand is going to cramp up. You're wasting paper. You have to mm. then get a stamp. And then you have to go to the post office or you have to go to the, the whatever, like the mailbox in your building or your house. But it's just too much work for what? I mean, someone's just going to crumple it up and throw it in the fucking trash. Right. <laughs> Who saves letters? Nobody saves letters except for characters in Jane Austen novels. Like, get out of here with this yeah. letter writing like horseshit. People in like love after lockup. You know, <laughs> and I have all the letters he sent me from the inside. Yeah. You know, <laughs> who saves letters or saved letters? Fucking Charles Manson. <laughs> the Menendez yeah, brothers, I, Scott Peterson. Shall I I'm continue? Like, who does? Who is it? For? I mean, because I try and look at it practically. The reason I don't write letters is because I have much quicker ways to communicate with people. And I guess I don't see I'm not too attached to like, I guess, the whimsical or the, you know, the the value uh, that makes letter writing sort of attractive. But I don't know. Also, like I just. I, I write big block letters and I'll fill up a page in like three sentences. Oh, yeah. So my handwriting is fucking poor. Right. That's another thing. But there, I, my mother has beautiful handwriting and she'll like scent her letters with like perfume. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. And I'm like, Bob, who gives a fuck? Just send me an yeah. email. Type it. <laughs> Text me. Just don't right. call me because I don't have time to talk. <laughs> don't verbally speak to me. <laughs> yeah, please. Whatever you can do, efficient conversation is more important than good conversation, in my opinion. What's yeah. going to be our letter writing? Because I can see why your mother would say email. She loves it because I my same like I look at my my parents, my grandmother. She had fucking beautiful handwriting, like yeah. in a way that I was like, I get it. This is like graffiti for you know people at home. <laughs> like they're like, let me throw up this beautiful letter. But I'm trying to think of what our dated sort of mode of communication that will insist on. Then people are like, we're off that. We're all meeting in the metaverse, ho. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. there's like a classiness veneer to letter writing that like still persists with some young people. Like that it's like artisanal emails. I'm That's why I fucking hate it. artisanal email thank you note. <laughs> and but I guess, yeah, yeah, there is something about getting a nice handwritten note you know, after the fact, as a gesture, I, I see the value in maybe like as a gesture. Give me like a fucking I've, card. I've myself being like, oh, wow, look at that. That's handwriting. That's give a little me more a effort. Card. Uh, go to Hallmark and get me a card. Go to Papyrus if those still exist. Give me a, a greeting card. Thanks. Signed, whoever, <laughs> Miles. Like, I don't need right. you to write a fucking tome about how great my wedding was. Just get out of here. <laughs> Do you feel pressured to then return it? Is that part yes, of it? Yes, of course. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. You have essentially given me extra work. Yeah. By doing no. the work yourself, you have forced me to give you the labor that you have so graciously bestowed upon me. No, thank you. If I and don't it, do it, then I'm the bad guy. And in a sense, it's ableism because I do not have the ability to write. My handwriting Legibly. fucking sucks. I'm Mine left-handed. Too. It's I'm like horrible. all over oh, the so place. I smudge too. the shit out of it. So it's like they're 
wagging in my face their ability to write beautifully and it's just they they don't understand what what it would be like if i tried to write them back yeah it would be be an ordeal for both of us i think our version of it our generation's version of this sort of artisanal horseshit is aol instant messenger (laughs) or gchat you know it's like like already dead yeah, it's already dead, but we're like, oh, remember when you come home from school and you just like talk all night with like your crush and you'd send, you know, little emojis that weren't actually emojis because you had to use like a colon and parentheses to make a smiley face. Yeah, right. I remember that. It sucked. It was not that great. Yeah. It was It was fine. It was a mode of co- a communication. That's it. I don't see remember anything those? like cool about it. Mm. Oh shit! Are you playing the sound? Oh. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck is oh. that?" <laughs> oh my god! I, oh I, wow! Wow! I am I am about to pop out of my trousers. Here. Oh shit! This is so <laughs> exciting. I know you're hitting up smarter child and saying, "Hey, uh, when the what what, uh, what time is uh, Mortal Kombat playing at the AMC North 6? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where are we where are we riding to tonight, boys? <laughs> or just like flirting with a girl all night and having like a really intense conversation. That amounts oh, to my. absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. boy. The I think she really messages. likes me. Oh, I wonder what it's going to be like at school tomorrow. It's which insane. is so, which I guess makes sense why, like, on, like, app dating is so, it has, like, kind of similar energy, but most people don't have the same passion for it like we did AIM. Because a lot of yeah. people are like, it's just like I'm dating over text. I'm like, that is pretty much the only way I was communicating with people <laughs> at a certain point. Right. Yeah, we but, weren't allowed to have phones in our rooms. And we had cell phones, but, like, they weren't. Yeah. We we didn't have um you know iPhones at the time, so it was just like, well, let's we'll get on AIM and we'll figure it out. Get on AIM and just have very lewd conversations over text in someone's family room. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. the computer <laughs> station. Good lord, yeah, the computer was just like riddled with viruses and all kinds of horrible things were being said. <laughs> hmm. Kind of like what? now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not that yeah. different. It's just like a test run for the internet. Pretty much. What is something you think is underrated? R&B legend, British R&B legend, Craig David. Mm. Have you guys listened to the song Seven Days recently? Yeah. Mm. It slaps, man. It's so good. That's all I'm going to say. I love Craig David. That song in particular, I guess this is kind of the opposite of what I said was overrated. Because this is nostalgia for me. I think about like middle school dances, high school dances, and this song playing. Mm-hmm. If you haven't ever heard this song because you're incredibly young and you don't remember, this was this was a radio hit. This was on MTV uh, all mm-hmm. the time. Craig David had hair that looked like it was painted on because yep. that was the style back then. It's like black men with hair that looked fake and really, right. really well-groomed facial hair. Yeah. The kind of like Lothario sort of vibe. Those, those edge-ups, you know, like John B. had one too. Like, yep. like oh, his beard line and when i look at craig david now i'm like you look like lloyd banks mixed with matt barnes uh but <laughs> yeah, he does have a little matt barnes in there. yeah, yeah got, but he, he had swag in the day he had swag his album yeah. it was off his solo album solo debut album born to do it that's uh, right i, I, I love like that the title. directness of that title tell me everything i need to know in the title of this album <laughs> <laughs> what were you born to do my friend it <laughs> Yeah. That's right. It. That's right, baby. I mean, fill me in is another. You know, that's another uh, jam. Another Craig David banger. Yeah, there was a one pegging? I caught when I was really into that show. People just do nothing. Like they were doing this thing on the BBC where they would do like these garage takeovers on BBC Extra, and they would have all these like garage MCs coming out and like spitting. And they had Craig David come out, and he sung. He sang. Fill. He started rapping, and he actually was kind of nice with it. Yeah. And then he started singing "Fill Me In" over the Justin Bieber or like "Where Are You Now" beat. And like oh he kind Lord. of did a remix, and I was like, "Oh shit, this shit goes okay, Craig David." Yeah, he's still a superstar in in the UK. Uh, he hasn't fallen off at all, but here he's just been kind of lost to time, sadly. Mm. And can you fill me in? Is does not appear to be a song about getting pegged or asking to get pegged. No, listen, every okay. song is actually about that. I'm just right. Tell you. Yeah. yeah, deep down. I mean, if you really look at the lyrics, I mean, right. You know, can you fill me in? Come like, on, it can you starts fill me in? with what that you question. want. What you want me to do? Yeah, can you fill yeah. me? Yeah, he was he was born to do it. Look, it's all there. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you don't, you don't need a map to figure out what the fuck he's talking about. Okay. I was okay. checking this girl next door when her parents went out. <laughs> she phone said, "Hey, boy, come on, ride around." 
Do you know what I mean? For pegging. <laughs> Come on, right Someone around, the door, around where? Where the fudge is made? Wine, ready to pour? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right look, around you the corner. The wine, <laughs> you know, yeah, you got the blind ready, dressed in a long black satin and laced to the floor. So I went in. Then we sat down, started kissing, caressing, told me about jacuzzi. Sounded interesting. So we jumped right in. I mean. Who jumped look, right into what? Exactly. Yeah. We'll look into yeah. it. Listen, it's no laughing matter. Pegging is a, is a cool thing. It's That's no laughing great. matter. And yet yeah. I'm laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I yeah. think we're in with continuation from that uh, Del Curry <laughs> thread we were talking <laughs> about last pegging episode. Like, here, now you're pegging, man. You're not ready, Del. <laughs> ready out for being out here. They're pegging that out here. They need to make that thread into a movie. They really do. <laughs> en- enough with the Zola stuff. Make that into a movie. <laughs> yeah, what this man went through. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> oh, hell the, yeah. I'll write yeah. the script. Like yeah. a rom-com. We'll Just get Jordan starring that guy. I mean, 60% yeah. crab leg was 30% iced coffee, 10% vape pen or whatever. Like, I mean, somebody, somebody I keep saying somebody needs to hire that guy. Somebody has hired that guy or whoever wrote that. Right. Um, that was brilliant. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. And we're back. And yeah, so the Republicans are, you know, taking the January 6th, you know, investigation that they're doing, their separate one, about as uh, seriously as you would expect them to. But they were not too long ago talking about how they were they were here to uh, find justice, bring bring justice. Dude, Kevin McCarthy pulled up. He said, I don't need the bipartisan commission, even though. That would have given us a lot more room to fuck around and, you know, alter the course of the investigation. We don't need it because we will do our own. We'll do our own. Well, it looks like they aren't doing anything at all because it's been a long time and we haven't seen anything meaningful in regards to any kind of investigation. Aside from the fact that they seem to be like, we got to know what happened with the Capitol Police. Why were they so ill prepared? And I think that was just because they knew that was a way they could eventually put like Nancy Pelosi into focus. So I just there's a couple of things that there are a lot of people on the Hill are saying is like, look, the whole thing is none of these people want to fucking engage in a real investigation because all roads are going to lead back to them or Trump. It's not going to end up being Antifa and the fucking, you know, ghosts of, uh, you know, murdered black men who, you know, d- <laughs> took over people's bodies to take over the, the Capitol. Like no. Candyman. <laughs> Yeah, right. Because <laughs> a bunch of dudes with hooks for hands are like, fuck America. <laughs> right. And the, like they said, one anonymous uh, Republican aide said, quote, none of us want this to be a priority. I don't think there's any member that wants to serve on this committee. Wait, who said that? This is a, a Republican aide, you know, who's just oh, giving okay. a so quote. So like off the record. Yeah, off like, the record. They're like, dude, yeah. this is just it's radioactive. It's like one of these yeah. things that Republicans have to do where they have to have the appearance like they aren't just here for the absolute like just deterioration of the country and be like, yeah, we got to look into that. But we can't because it's all yeah. it's all theater. It's all yeah. a, a way to deflect, to delegitimize the actual investigation, the actual hearings to say, well, we didn't participate. Well, what do you do instead? Oh, nothing. Yeah. But it was it's a sham anyway. Like they don't there's nothing that they can get out of this, as you said, like it's. Yeah. Even if they were to try to do something and like bring out experts who were on their side, it would eventually bite them in the ass. So they're just going to run out the clock and hope that they win the Senate back. Well, I think they're actually so it seems like their strategy is going to be to like dig in. At least uh, some of them are digging in and being like the people who got arrested are political prisoners. So just like basically doing doing the most like <laughs> yeah it's just the performative the shit because that performative they say you know in, in this article in the daily beast they're talking about how the especially the political prisoner angle is a good talking point for someone running for office because it doesn't necessarily you know it it, it helps make them look like they're still on their side and even if maybe they didn't vote to overturn the election by calling those people political prisoners it sort of like realigns them to be like no like i get it You know, maybe I wasn't doing the things that you were demanding of me, but I will I will we will miscategorize them as political prisoners. So show you I understand the oppression that's happening. 
Right. Yeah, it's. Okay. I mean, it's it's all designed to shore up their base going into the midterms and in an attempt to win back the house, which would then kill these investigations. Mm-hmm. I, that is, of course, something we don't want to happen. Right. And uh, you have to hope that turnout is the way that it needs to be for these elections to swing the right yeah. way. Because they're certainly not going to do anything to f- combat the voter suppression, aside from being like. Hey man, I guess activists just got to work harder, huh? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a, it's sorry, been an escalation. What? It's been an escalation and it can, will continue. Like yeah. they will pass laws and then the other side will say, "All right, here's here's the loopholes around these laws and here's how we're going to make sure that we can bypass these things." But that's yeah. it's a war of attrition because it's just going to continue happening. You know, and then mm-hmm. people are going to feel disenfranchised and then things are going to get ugly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I what mean, happens when people are truly just are like fuck all this like what's the point in helping supporting these people these clowns who are moving at a snail's pace for just the theater of it all yeah Yeah. it's a war of attrition where the democrats are not doing the things they need to do to like they're they're not fighting back they're just kind of letting them make these changes and then well i mean i want to give a lot of credit to the texas democrats in their state legislature doing what they could Eventually, it was going to pass, but they yeah, they were able they to forestall it as long as they could, and they drew a lot of attention to the issue. That's the best they could have done. Sure. The, the, the thing that is really problematic is that we can't get any sort of voter right legislation passed in right. Congress. Yeah, because yeah. the most that happens, all this attention's brought, and then all we hear is Chuck Schumer be like, yeah, we really got to figure out the filibuster, huh? Yeah, well, like, what are we going to do? Uh, text uh, Schumer uh, to 27498 and uh, pledge to pay $10 so that we can fix the filibuster. Yeah, exactly. And that's all. It, it's all just campaign finance. It's just how do we get more money out of these people? How do we dupe these rubes into paying us more money? That's all yeah. it is. And, and it, it, they don't care if anything changes. They just want your money. Yeah, well, it's just easy fundraising, you know yep. what I mean? Because then you don't have to go on the road to actually do a lot of fundraising or yeah. maybe the lobbyists aren't packaging your funds well enough for you, you know, then just do send a couple emails, get move yeah. on on the case. Every fucking email I get is, this is the end of the world, Dave. This is it. We're all Dave, can die. we count on you to stand up for democracy? I'm sorry. <laughs> am I the fucking president? I'm sorry. Am I the fuck? Am I the majority leader in the Senate? My five dollars is gonna do what? What? Is, where is that five dollars gonna go? Huh? Yeah. You want to tell like, me right. what it's gonna be for? Send me that clip of Chuck Schumer acting like Tony Soprano, acting like get out there and crack some fucking skulls to get these this filibuster reform passed because that's not the energy they have at all. It's just it's just like he's just sort of like, hey, you better not. You better <laughs> right. not. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. And then right. it's like, okay, but they don't give a fuck. And, so. and, then you, and then you have people in the Senate like Dianne Feinstein who are very clearly in cognitive dis- decline. And yeah. people have said like, yeah, she's pretty, like, I don't know. <laughs> she has a hard time remembering stuff. And we're all just like, okay, that's fine. So the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, is being recalled and might be replaced before right. she dies, <laughs> which she will sooner than later. I think I've talked about this on this show before. But the yeah. greatest problem with our society is that people refuse to retire. And I'm talking about rich people, not mm. not normal people. Normal people are like, yeah, I'm going to go to Cancun. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to mow my lawn every morning, drink an iced tea, watch Jeopardy and go to bed. <laughs> if you at can age. even if you even can retire. Exactly. If you point. can, if you're if you're able to financially. But these motherfuckers are just like, I refuse to quit doing my very high paying, powerful job. Right. If it's, you know, a Supreme Court justice, if it's a senator, if it's it's the speaker of the house, none of these people have any interest in stepping aside for the good of the country. None. Because that's not their first priority. And Republicans are taking advantage of that. All of those old bastards have stepped aside. Or if you're Mitch McConnell, like you just throw up your hands and say, well, I mean, this is this is the party. I support the party. This is what I do. And then all of these ghouls, these very young ghouls like Madison Cawthorn keep popping up out of nowhere. Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, all of these younger people who are amassing power 
amassing political influence and amassing support. Every mm-hmm. single day, they're on Fox News all the time. They're constantly being puffed up by the establishment of the Republican Party. Yeah. And the Democrats are like, AOC, <laughs> I simply don't agree with her because she's a socialist. Right. right. Or Elon Omar is a Muslim, and so we need her to back Israel and denounce the PLO or something. You know, yeah, like, what is Tlaib said the F word. So, yeah. I mean, please, everyone, let's not consider them. And, like, there's, there's a lot of energy there with a lot of these younger people coming in because— I didn't see anyone except for Cori Bush really make a fucking stink about the eviction moratorium ending. And she had to really, you know, to, to do what she knew how to do as an organizer and activist and just said, fuck it, I'm going to sleep on the steps if they don't re- understand what's at stake here because everyone else would rather just go on break. And yeah, we then I think the media doesn't do a good job of you know, giving these younger politicians the kind of airtime and exposure that they could, because you can see it on Fox, they'll they'll put all of these younger folks on TV and they, give them a they ton don't, of airtime. They don't care. As long as you're a good soundbite, they'll put you on TV. But MSNBC is propaganda for various parties, and we don't have to talk about that. But, uh, you know, other platforms are not engaging with these people. They're not putting these people front and center. They're not putting their issues front and center. But if Matt Gates says something ludicrous about, you know, America being under attack from Antifa, that's that's front page news. That's that's news. You know, it, it trends on Twitter. All of these things that are incredibly unhelpful, but help him to get his message out and to launder his image when he is under investigation. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and yet he is still in in office. He is still treated as a legitimate politician. I, I, I can't speak to why the media is so fascinated by young Republicans and this idea of, you know, the outrageous things that they say. But they are. And they are yeah. so concerned with, you know, kind of like contrarianism when it comes to any sort of liberal idea. Any sort yeah. of real liberal idea. Well, because it takes it because it takes the position that they're sort of like this liberal neoliberal ideology that they subscribe to is the default truth. And there's nothing beyond that that could possibly improve it. So they're not interested in anything that would augment policies or makes things more inclusive. So they're more interested in just defending the position. And the best fodder for that is someone on the right saying something ignorant. And yeah, that's it, the airtime, because it's surely not going to be someone who comes on with a very good plan for bail reform or a really good plan for how we can, like, you know, create more equitable housing that might actually threaten the, the status quo. It's easier to just get in your, you know, outraged by the guys like he compared apartheid to this vaccine man. Oh, my God. Let's yeah, we have to we have there, to we have to be shocked by it and we have to be disgusted by it, but we can't do anything about it. And that yeah. was the the defining trait of the Trump presidency was here's this horrible thing that happened. Can you believe it? Isn't that yep. sad? Moving on. All right. So uh, what's going on on TV right now? <laughs> right. Who's, who's winning Dancing with the Stars or some shit? Right. And And the January 6th commission is a good example of something not being sexy and not being exciting to talk about it is mm-hmm. depressing to talk about it is ugly and it is it is unpleasant and it is a physical manifestation of a lot of very unpleasant truths about american society and how close we are to chaos yeah but the republicans turn it into a like sexy talking point for their base with you know, talking about political prisoners, the Democrats are not doing that work. It doesn't seem like they're well. Just you like, can't make it positive. You can't right. make it. Oh, we need to you know support our political prisoners. Like you can make Ashley Babbitt a star in death or a martyr because she's not here. She can't go on Meet the Press. She can't go on Fox News. She can just be someone who died. And isn't right. that sad? It's playing on sympathy. There are no sympathetic figures on the other side to make this feel good because guess what the sympathetic figures are the police 
Right. And we don't and like them. And Nancy Pelosi. And Nancy Pelosi. Uh, yeah. Like, we're not going to feel bad. Like, yes, it is horrible what happened to these people, these police officers who were just doing their best. Some of them, at least, were doing their best. Mm-hmm. But it is difficult for people to wrap their minds around the kind of like sticky patriotism that would be required to make this a bigger story. Mm-hmm. Right. It's never going to tug at my heartstrings. It's it is a tragedy. It's sort of like thinking about the Hindenburg disaster. Like I feel terrible that it happened, but I'm not going to be I guess I'm not moved by it. Yeah, like it'd be isn't... a sick album cover. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really it's a really like January six great... is gonna be like that. Like some shit from that, like yo, it's a sick album cover. Baller ass <laughs> B roll for something for right, TikTok. Right, right. Yeah, I'm 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 never going to be moved. And that's not because it is not a sad story, but because I'm talking about me as a general person, like the general you, like you are never going to be moved by this because there isn't like a, a figure for you to to latch on to, to feel sympathy for. It's like a movie or a TV show. You have to have a character who is your uh, protagonist that is your entry point into the story. There's no there's nobody for the left in this story. So it's just like a horrible thing that most establishment Democrats want to forget. Right. All right, let's move on to, uh, you know, from the rulers of politics to the ruler of the podcast landscape. Mm -hmm. The man himself, Joe Rogan, uh, defeated COVID by putting it in an arm bar and going to the mat with it. Mm -hmm. He pegged COVID. Grappling. Pegged COVID. Uh, Then he pegged it. No, so not surprisingly, you know, he threw everything at it, all the most expensive treatments that money can buy at his case of COVID got better, like most rich people who are able to treat their COVID aggressively tend to. And now he's back claiming that the thing that got him better, surprise, surprises, is the unproven kind of conspiracy theory treatment that he took among many other proven uh, treatments. Yeah, yeah. Just a couple things to point out of his like return and just how many fucking mental pretzels this guy put himself into just speaking. He he was like, yo, first he was saying how COVID is nothing, you know, and like it's it's all good or whatever. But yet you needed to take Regeneron. Like yet you were at a place where you realized you had to actually take real medications and real right. you needed medical treatment. But you're he not said, gonna yeah, not gonna lean on that. He said COVID was nothing for a, you know, young, able-bodied person, seemingly implying, like, including himself in that before he got it. And then once he got it, he was all about throwing every single treatment at it like it was the very serious disease that it actually is. Right. And you say you took ivermectin and it's like, oh, that really helped. But you also took uh, monoclonal antibodies like Regeneron. And you're saying, but you're not really pointing to that. He said, the media doesn't talk about how I took ivermectin and now I'm better. But he's also not saying himself that you actually took an FDA authorized treatment in Regeneron or these monoclonal antibodies. And that may also have been the reason you were doing better. And then he goes on to say, oh, I don't trust the whole vaccine scheme because big pharma, you know what they're trying to do. They're just trying to get rich, man, trying to get you to take these vaccines so they can make more money. Yet the maker of ivermectin is fucking Merck. So right. which big pharmaceutical company are you like? Def- I don't even understand. Yeah, but like, he's talking what, about the. He's talking about the farm animal division of Merck. So it's very different. That's more of a scrappy upstart than the human being division of Merck. <laughs> I mean, right, exactly. So that storyline is the thing that he has like clung on to because it is like I didn't realize that ivermectin is both like used for horses and farm animals, but it's also used for people, not for COVID, but for like as an uh, anti-parasitic. An- yeah, an anti-parasitic. So. He's like, people talk about it being a horse to wormer, but uh, the reason people talk about it being a horse to wormer, by the way, is that people are actually taking their the, horses. The horse version, yeah. The horse version. So yeah, that's it's a paste. There's a problem. But he, so he's like used that as kind of a misdirect to be like, and, you know, they're they're calling it horse to wormer, even though like I took one that is like those prescribed by my doctor which very well he may have. He's He has access to doctors that 99.9% of the 
American population does not have access to. But then he says he claimed that the reason ivermectin is not being approved is to force vaccines on people. Like that's the I, like that's he said, you know, there's a lot of speculation. What? So, you know, you know, oh, when he starts off with there's time. a lot of speculation, it's a uh, it's the Trump equivalent of a. Uh, a lot of people are saying that. Yeah. No, they're not. No, they're not. One of the speculations uh-huh. involves the emergency use authorization for the vaccines. That in order for there to be an emergency use authorization, there has to be no treatment for a disease. That's not true, but just complete like, and utter. This is where he's, Bullshit. you know, that's that's his that's his worldview. He's going to have to reinforce it all the time and use whatever loose, uh, spurious claims that he can to to back it up. Because the big thing, especially with the ivermectin thing, he talked about was like, oh, well, in Japan, the government said uh, they should use it to treat COVID. Not fucking true. Right. It's just there was the chairman of the Tokyo Medical Association cautiously, like, I guess, supported the treatment. But the association themselves nor the government was just like, no, we're not authorizing that. This is what this one guy said out loud at a thing. And that turned into this whole social media claim that, yes, in Japan, they're using it to treat COVID. And no. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it really is just virtue signaling for a different kind of virtue. And that virtue is contrarianism. And Joe Rogan became very rich and very famous by being a contrarian. And saying the opposite of what he's supposed to say. And that's what Spotify paid millions and millions of dollars for, is for him to say, ah, nah, that's bullshit. And here's why. Right. I read this thing on this in this study uh, on this website that is just a bunch of letters strung together dot com. And apparently uh, all the shit you read about uh, eating healthy is bullshit and you can just eat whatever you want. Or you should just inject uh, steroids into your cock and then it'll get really big and awesome. Like, that's all it is. It's just it's just idiocracy on a microphone. It is mm-hmm. just it is it is a hair away from infowars. Right. It is a palatable more mainstream version of infowars. And if you listen to this stuff, you are being given false information, you are being manipulated, and you are being bilked. In the same way that he is saying that the pharmaceutical industry is bilking people through the vaccine. Right. He yeah. is saying, listen to my show, subscribe to Spotify, uh, buy this merchandise. He's stealing from you, folks. He's stealing from you every single day by giving you horseshit that you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. He just he knows you want to you want to be told that the vaccines are 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 bad. They don't work that you can just, you know, take some pills that you get from a shady website or, you know, worst case scenario, because you can't get the pills because there's a run on ivermectin and a shortage for people who actually need it. You can go out and you can get the paste from fucking Cabela's or something. Right. That is what it's all about. And you're being you're being taken advantage of. Yeah. Well, he laughs his ass off in yeah. his like fifteen million dollar mansion. <laughs> like, yeah, all know, of these just... people telling you not to take the vaccine are rich enough to not take the vaccine if they don't want to. Yeah. Or and they take it in a because... completely different reality. Yeah, or they take it and they don't tell you. It's mm-hmm. not your business. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is just it uh He's not going to stop. Uh, people aren't going to stop listening. And Spotify Although it seems like his numbers took a little hit, though. Well, they did because it's, Spotify. Yeah, they're it's not free to listen to anymore. It's yeah, it's it's, well, yeah. it's really hard to get someone who is listening to everything on one platform to switch. And so all of these exclusive to Spotify podcasts are seeing a drastic reduction in their listenership. Now that's not to say that people don't end up going onto YouTube. Uh, and mm-hmm. listening to the, the show because I think they're they're pretty available. A lot of people listen to on YouTube, on YouTube, yeah. yeah, and they can you know monetize it pretty easily on YouTube if they have to. So they're still they're doing just fine. <laughs> There's no problem there, uh, and that's the internet, man. It's it's a such a free for all that you can yeah. get your stupid message out anywhere you want. Yeah, and just keep gaining and gaining and gaining. I mean, that's what we've seen. Like whether it be Facebook or Donald Trump or you know. And you will keep gaining momentum until something stops you. Yeah. You know, until you are the richest human who has ever existed in Jeff Bezos's case. All right. Let's take a quick break and we will be right back. 
and we're back. And look, I don't know what your president is doing uh, to mark <laughs> the anniversary of 9-11, but my president is talking, talking fights, baby. He's, he's doing commentary on a fight between 58-year-old Evander Holyfield and, I don't know, uh, Vitor Belfort. Yeah, Vitor Belfort, yeah. I'm not familiar with his work. Dude, Donald Trump, one night, sick-ass commentary with Don Jr. at the Seminole Hard Rock on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. It's just this one fucking, I just love the way it's being billed. Uh, Fight, the digital streaming service carrying the Saturday pay-per-view event, announced that the former president, along with his eldest son, will, quote, Offer their perspective throughout the night, including during the headlining fight between Evander and Vitor. I, okay, sure. I mean, that's, uh, this is my bigger thing. More than, like, uh, with all these factors, you got Trump, you got Evander Holyfield, and, you know, a fight. Is this going to do Paul Brothers race war pay-per-view <laughs> levels of revenue? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. And that's got to hurt for Donald the, Trump. The Paul Brothers are the biggest heels in america to, to use a wrestling term mm-hmm. people want to see them lose right yeah and they've booked this they've they've scripted all of this to perfection because every time you think this is the one this motherfucker's going down he's fighting tyron woodley oh he's finished and of course right. it, it, like, <laughs> oh wait he withheld his fighting the last couple of rounds. yeah it just goes to a decision and then he wins because they're gonna wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and draw it out for as long as they can before they finally have him lose. Yeah. Do you think now, because a lot of people suspect, obviously, like uh, when he fought Mayweather, they're like, dude, Mayweather could have fucking absolutely dis- like he was knocked out at a certain point. You know yeah. what I mean? And like yeah. he held him up. And then with Woodley, they're like, he got him a few good times and then looked like he just sort of ceased fighting like yeah. towards in the in the later rounds. And so a lot of people are like, these are all they're all just being they're all just getting the check to yeah. lose or it's whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That will there be someone who stealthily says, yeah, yeah, I'm down for that and just knocks the shit out of him in the ring. He's like, I went off script. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> a lot of I money. couldn't do it. A lot of you money know what I mean? at stake there. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of money at stake. Uh, there's a lot of contracts that I'm sure are uh, <laughs> you done. Go to, you get secret. sued. It's like you weren't supposed to knock him out. We're suing you for that. I think it would actually end up being better. Like, as a, as a wrestling mind, as a person who wrote for professional wrestling, understands wrestling pretty well. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you did a thing where you're just like, all right, so, Mike Tyson, I just want you to, you know, go into it like we planned, like we talked about with Logan, but in, like, the fourth or fifth round, just let let loose. Just take him down. Don't kill mm-hmm. him. Right. But p- knock him up a little bit. Put him on his ass. Have him be knocked out. Because then the rematch is even bigger. Right. Because you can say, oh, he went off script. I wasn't ready. Yes, it was fake, but this time it's real. Right, right, <laughs> right. And then you've wiped out all of the naysayers, all of the people saying this is fake. Because re- wrestling is all about the illusion of reality. How do you suspend disbelief in the audience every single week once mm-hmm. they've figured out it's fake? Or not fake, but, you know, it's predetermined, predetermined outcomes. Because right. th- those people hurt, hurt each other. They hit each other real, for real. Once you've done that, you have to keep up the illusion so that people buy into it. They spend money. They say, I want to, you know, buy the pay-per-view. I want to buy the merchandise. I'm emotionally invested in this thing because it's it's not like watching a movie where you are transported to another place, where you are in a movie theater and it's dark and you can just focus on the story being told or even a TV show where you binge it and you just kind of get lost in it. Mm-hmm. This is <laughs> this is scripted fighting where oftentimes things happen that defy the laws of physics. Or with boxing now, like if you are telling me that Tyron Woodley couldn't knock out Logan Paul. Was it Logan or Jake? I think it was Logan, right? If you're telling me that, you're Jake lying to me. It was Jake. Same. They're all the same to me. They're like the twins from The Matrix. <laughs> reloaded. They're just like some fucking 
goopy pale ghost apparition <laughs> yeah, they should, that's haunting me. They should do that as a tag team match. The the guys from the Matrix against <laughs> right. the Paul brothers, and they both have dreadlocks, so it's hard to figure out who's who. Who's more problematic? <laughs> Way more problematic. Yeah, I do. we don't we don't talk enough about the cultural appropriation in the Matrix sequel, do we? Yeah, of the <laughs> ghost kidding. twins. Was <laughs> I the only one seeing this? <laughs> I'm kidding. Um. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Like this is this is the perfect way. My my plan to get people back on board because I can see the steady loss of interest. Like, right. okay, this is another one where you pull the wool over my eyes. Once you've made it clear that your shit is not real, people are going to start tuning out. So right. think about so it. So then he'll there. need to get knocked out. Yeah. He's going to have to get knocked out, and they're going to have to be like, "Look, it's real." And then right. you do the rematch, and then. <laughs> he and wins. then he knocks out Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> then you do, and, and then you do the blow off. You do the third fight. Right, right, right. You right. get the trilogy. You, exactly. You, it's a it's a, a rubber match. That is where the real money is. Is in the rubber match. Two uh, details of this that are intriguing to me. One that he's doing this commentary, uh, the Donald Trump mm-hmm. fight night commentary. One is that he's doing it with Donald Trump Jr., who he, like, plainly despises. And, like, I feel like over the course of just, like, a long, like, conversation where you're just kind of riffing, that that will be evident. And also, he is really bad at talking about 9-11. Like, he... Right. He, like, he, on, like, just hours after the towers fell, he, like, bragged about how one of his buildings was now the tallest in downtown Manhattan, and, this is why you put it behind a paywall. That right. Way only the people dumb enough to order this pay-per-view will see it. But, oh, man, I kind of want to watch it. because it's Don't just... do it. Do not support this. This is the worst thing in the entire world. You're, you're yeah. paying their legal bills by yeah, buying this true. pay-per-view. That's, that's all true. this is. And I'm sure that's why Don, Doju, Donald Jr., is involved with this, too, because we see his sniffling ass on Cameo. Like, yeah. he's probably looking for anything to be like, all right, fuck it, Dad. You know what? It's in Florida. We barely have to go anywhere. And you just say a couple things about how Holyfield's a great champion and then uh, say that the election was stolen and then uh, donate and then we'll be good. He went to an MMA fight and, like, they didn't show him. And I think he was, like, pissed off about that. Like, Dana White had to, like, come out and be like, sorry. Like, we meant to show him, but, like, there was a camera miscue. So for some reason, he like really wants to like be seen as like a fight presence. Well, I mean, he he had a he had a run where he was doing shit like that. I feel like back in the day, like in yeah. the 80s or something. So, he's... oh, yeah, he would be at WrestleMania every year. He, the right. WrestleMania four and five both took place adjacent to Trump Plaza in Atlantic City. He loves that spotlight. So he's getting back to his roots and that's good for him. Yes, I do wonder. He's going to a crowded indoor facility in florida in florida where mask wearing will not be mandated Mm. vaccines will not be mandated do you think that this motherfucker shows up wearing a mask so one thing that i like i actually think they probably won't even be there because there's a there is a trend of yeah there is a trend of commentate like uh Monday Night Football is adding a commentary track, like a place where you can go and watch commentary from Eli and Peyton Manning. Yeah. But they're just like doing it from their garage, their respective garages. Yeah. But, you know, but, you know, he's not afraid of a fucking super event. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's been having them every couple months since he left office. I, do I guess think yeah. he's going to operative show up word real. is in person yeah. commentary. Oh, yeah, they did say that. Oh, yeah, like the, the 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 marketing material is full live in person commentary. Wow. Okay. What if? Yeah. What ignore if? me. What I mean, if what if? Yeah. He shows up, one, with a mask, and they all get pissed at him for wearing a mask. Pictures are taken of him with a mask, and people get mad. Or, or what if he gets it again? I mean, he's Oof. vaccinated, so he's probably going to be all right. Not necessarily. If there's a bunch of Did people get that booster? positive tested or people who are positive for COVID not wearing masks, lots of people, not mm-hmm. lots of people, I don't want to spread misinformation, but people are getting breakthrough cases. If they are yeah. around lots of unvaccinated positive uh, COVID carriers. For sure. I'm not but trying to they're... wish it upon the man. I would never <laughs> do such a thing. That would be wrong. 
But yeah. what if it There's happened? There's just a lot of speculations yeah. I heard, around yeah, it. People are One saying, of the speculations right. I've heard. People <laughs> are saying that if Donald Trump were to show up to this event in Florida, the chances are good that he could get COVID again. Yeah. He is an elderly man. I mean, that's where Joe Rogan got it. Yep. Right? Fucking around in Florida. You know? That is what I heard. That's what I heard. There's a lot of speculations. People keep saying these things <laughs> on television. Got Tucker Carlson over here. In stories. And it's concerning to me, okay? Isn't I don't, it concerning? Don't you feel like <laughs> your world is falling apart? Sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner. Sometimes I feel like my only friend is the city, the I, city live I live in. The city right. of angels. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. By that, I of course mean the United States of America. Yes. Lonely as I am. Oh, so, song, song slaps. <laughs> let, let's talk Andre 3000 real quick. We kind of touched on it yesterday, but just to get into the specifics of the controversy, over the weekend, Drake leaked an unreleased track from Donda featuring Andre 3000. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, it was a track on which Kanye like disses Drake and but Andre Andre's verse does not diss Drake, and he's come out to say, like he doesn't give a shit about any of this bullshit. Yeah, it's that track life, life of the party, and I guess it was only played at a very specific private event, which is like the only iteration or the only place where this version was heard. But there's a the Andre verse is about mothers, you know. Yet the album version comes out and it's just a fucking diss track. And he says he comes. This is his sort of quote on it about the how the whole thing went down. He said a few weeks ago, Kanye reached out about making me uh, or having me be a part of the Donda album. I was inspired by his idea to make a musical tribute to his mom. It felt appropriate to me to support the Donda concept by referencing my own mother who passed away in 2013. We both shared that loss. I thought it was a beautiful choice to make a clean album. But unfortunately... I didn't know that was the plan before I wrote and recorded my verse. It was clear to me that an edited, quote, clean format of the verse would not work without having the raw original uh, also available. So sadly, I had to be omitted from the original album release. The track Mm. I received and wrote to didn't have the disc verse on it, and we were hoping to make a more focused offering for the Donda album, but I guess things happen like they're supposed to. It's unfortunate that it was released this way. And two artists that I love going back and forth. uh, And then he said, I I love Drake. I love, I want to work with Kendrick. I want to work with Jay-Z, Tyler, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that sounds like a very Kanye thing to do. This is going to happen more often where he brings people in to his process. And he says, I'm going to do this thing. It's going to be great. And he's got those crazy eyes. Like, you know, his eyes are huge. And he's like, I'm going to do this thing. It's going to be awesome. And then he changes his mind <laughs> two weeks later. And he's like, ah, I got to go to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Or not the Superdome. But I got to go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And I got to live inside of the, 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 the tunnel. And I've got to just, like, come up with a new idea. Because the, the thing I did before sucked. And it's like, okay, you're going to burn a bunch of material. You're going to burn a bunch of talent like Andre mm-hmm, 3000, right. who's going to be pissed off. Uh, he's going to be, uh, you know, diplomatic about it like he was in his statement. But you think he's happy that he, this song was associated with him shitting on Drake? No, mm-hmm. right. of course not. That's not good for him. That's not good for anybody. But there's like probably 70 versions of Donda just floating around. And we're going to hear all of them one day when he dies. Right. Because <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, here's the new hollow a hollow cube uh, edition of Donda featuring all the songs that were rejected from the album. This Don't is you the love good them? one. This yeah, is the good right. one. Yeah. Well, I prefer uh version number 29 because oh, v- it's got v- that, it's got that beep, 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 beep part. <laughs> I really love that beep, 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 beep part. Can't get enough. <laughs> the other thing is like, you're, you're the, if the album is meant to honor your mother, why are you wasting your breath? trying to come at this other rapper because it's not about honoring his mother or any or even his own mother you know what i mean like even for donda you know it's just like a whole thing i'm just confused at like the intent but again this was not a focused album so i don't know why i'm like being like what is going on over there not a focused mind making the album that first track does say her name like 25 times so that is kind of okay so yeah what's the confusion (laughs) i'm sorry yeah it's there's also like no not that many if any 
women featured on the album. What a surprise. Um, did, yeah. Didn't he try to get Trump to show up to one of these events that he did? Oh, yeah, did that's he? who he was trying to marry in that uh, marriage <laughs> scene. <laughs> <laughs> See, to settle uh, for Kim. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a shame. Uh, I mean, he, instead of getting Trump, he got Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Oof. Honor your mother with Marilyn Manson. What does this guy got to do? What does this guy <laughs> got to do for people to be like, enough, I've yeah. had it. He yeah. makes... The music that people are mostly frustrated by, he does all of these these stunts that are designed not just to transgress, but to actively upset people. Yeah. Things well, that are I offensive to people. Like the big Yeezy stands, though, they're all like, you know, pre the yay and all that other stuff. Like it was always the battle cry was like, I can excuse everything that he does because his message is about believing in yourself. It's, no, it's about believing in Kanye fuck. West. No, right. right. But I'm saying, but that's how the the supporters, like who are like the most, you know, diehard defenders have to sort of repurpose whatever they believe the message is. Oh, so sure. say like, I'm here because I'm here for the uplifting pep talks in the form of his lyrics. Yeah, he's like T.D. Jakes, just... but he's a, a rapper, huh? Is that what he is? <laughs> T.D. Jakes, who sells uh, $80 gilded T-shirts with Balenciaga. Yeah. Yeah, and hey, dude, he could buy a weird bulletproof vest with his mom's name on it. Cool. It just bums me out because I see all you know fashion writers fawning over it, and right. I see music journalists fawning over it, and I see cultural critics taking it seriously. Like, oh, he built a, a, a version of his house in the stadium. Oh, what does that mean? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Kim and him are to, uh, pretending to get married again. Ooh, boy, what is that? It's all narcissism, and it's all designed to take money from you. Like, this is the same thing as Joe Rogan. It is just provocation for the sake of it. It's contrarianism for the sake of it. And it's designed to part your money from your pocket. Right. Yeah. That's... Oh, man. We've been saying from very early on in the show that it seems like narcissist, like having the narcissistic personality disorder is the cheat code to modern America. Yeah, it is your ticket to success. Yeah, if I have any shame, any shame, yeah. any empathy, any respect. I mean, yeah. For other human beings, I'm fucked. I'm not going to succeed. <laughs> That's why. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Yes, right. exactly. Mm, let me ponder famous. this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think he told us before. No one knows <laughs> what it means, but it's provocative. Yeah. And that's been the guiding principle. Yep. I blame Will Ferrell. Yeah. Well, Dave, uh, as always, such a pleasure having you. Uh, where can people find you and follow you? I am at Dave underscore Schilling on Twitter. Uh, you can subscribe to Galaxy Brains on any podcast platform, including Spotify. Hey. They have not paid us millions of dollars to be on there. So we're also on Apple Podcasts hey. and Pocket Casts and Amazon Music and all the places. So please subscribe. Have a listen. We had uh, Kumail Nanjiani on a couple weeks ago to talk about Idiocracy. That was a really great episode. We've got... Friend of the Daily Zeitgeist, Jamie Loftus, on very soon oh. to talk about Why the Last Man, the FX TV show that's coming out very soon. So uh, get into that. I think it's this is the best run of episodes we've ever done. Also, I have a monthly column in the LA Times style section that you should oh, yeah. check out. As I said earlier, I wrote about skinny jeans and why they are being phased out of our culture and why that's and a good thing. And before that, before that. Dad hats. I was dad talking hats. about dad hats. Yeah, yep. this was this was really read. serious for Miles to to read about his his culture and his beliefs and his religion <laughs> uh, in print for once. Yeah, been validated. <laughs> That's my job. I'm here to validate everybody, <laughs> especially uh, you. And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? Okay, so this is a tweet that isn't necessarily funny, but it brought a little tear to my eye. Bob Odenkirk tweeted a photo of himself being made up to uh, look like Saul Goodman. Yet again, he said, back to work on Better Call Saul. So happy to be here and living this specific life surrounded by such good people. By the way, this makeup is this is makeup pro Sherry Montesanto making me not ugly for shooting. I just was really glad that he's back at it. Yeah, you know, a lot of people were, were really worried about him. And uh, yeah, he means a lot to a lot of people. And so I'm glad that he's back out and, and making stuff and hopefully taking care of himself. Yeah. He's like quietly 
just had having one of the great careers of like our generation. Not, yeah. not that he's like our same age, but like of our generation of like pop culture that we grew up on. It's Somehow, like, oh, without shit. being an, an horrible narcissist, right? Yeah, how do he pull that off? No, really doesn't have it. Doesn't have yeah. narcissistic personality disorder, and he's still successful. So let that be a lesson to you, kids. Mm. You don't have to be like Kanye West or Donald Trump. You can be like Bob Odenkirk or me, like this, a great like person. white guy with heart problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray and also the other podcast for 20 Day Fiance. Uh, let's see. Quick shout out to uh, over the weekend. I met some Zeitgang at a uh, social gathering. Steve and Maddie, thank you so much for complimenting me in public. I felt very validated. So shout what? out to y'all. Uh, yeah, I didn't hear about like, this. I know you. I'm like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> did, now please did you expect them some to like tequila? Shove, <laughs> shove a gun into your ribs? That sounds <laughs> like over this way. I'm like, oh, over shit. here. She's like, yeah, you about to be a footnote in history, motherfucker. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, but anyway, shout out to y'all. Really great talking to you. And I want to say some tweets that I like. First one is from Brona C. Titley, at Brona C. Titley, tweeting, wow, okay, unfollowing now. Was a big fan of her house made of sweets, was not aware she used it to lure children into her oven to cook and eat them. <laughs> <laughs> Just love that structure of uh, outreach tweet. Um, another one is from Bond at Gresham2x. Uh, he tweeted, I broke down at my great-grandma funeral at the podium when I found out nobody got her red velvet cake recipe. I, that shit <laughs> oh, hit damn. me in Ooh. my fucking heart. Because let me tell you, as somebody who has like family recipes, I did... Everything I could to document, especially my grandfather's barbecue sauce recipe. And I'm telling you, if you have things like this in your family, do what you have to do to preserve these things. And I know it can be frustrating when like older people are like, no, just put a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You're like, I don't. You have to put down number values. Right. They just tape them on your <laughs> iPhone so you can watch. Or if they do it, be like, okay, give me that thing. And then you can weigh it and say that's the amount. But please preserve your family history, especially through recipes, because even if that was a joke, I felt that one. And the last one is from Miles Clee at Miles Clee. Said Steve Martin saw the opportunity for Upper West Side Boomer Zoomer mur murder comedy streaming deal left open by Woody Allen's forced retirement, and he wow. seized it. You there just got is. banjoed, bitch. <laughs> I don't know if I like that show, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. <laughs> I have not watched it yet. A uh, couple tweets I've been enjoying. Chase at not Chase Lyons tweeted, "My dentist said I grind in my sleep. Damn, he's real for that." Um, <laughs> <laughs> no days off, baby. No days off. <laughs> Team no sleep. And Schweitz at Schweitz a tweeted, "The fugitive." But every time Harrison Ford says, "My wife," it's Borat's voice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't kill my, my wife. wife. Get that super cut. Let's let's get that popping off on TikTok ASAP. Oh. So good. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy today? This is a track by L. Michaels Affair. They're one of my favorite instrumental bands, and I've we've gone out on a few of their tracks. You know, famously, you might know them from their, you know, full, like, or, like instrumental band treatments of Wu-Tang tracks. But this one is one of their new singles. It's called Masterclass, and I really like it because it has, like, this David Axelrod kind of, like, it feels like something that would be sampled by, like, Mob Deep or DJ Premier, but it's just, uh, they do a really great job of, like, replicating vintage sounds and things like that so it's an easy listen and it's a little head nodder so take this one masterclass by l michael's affair damn i thought david axelrod was a uh, obama administration he is. official there's many david axelrod but it. the true goat is like, david axelrod a... the jazz huh. musician there you go and american composer all right. Well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. That is going to do it for us this morning, but we are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. And hey, we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.